0: WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: Those who insist on getting their own way are always fighting other people. They're always arguing. They're contentious. They're angry people. Annoyed at every little thing others do. Because it just gets in their way. Because they are the most important people. And they have rights. And how dare those rights be violated? If you live like that, you will never have God's peace ruling in your heart. Why? Because you can't possibly have God's peace in your heart when you're at war with others. So end the war. Stop fighting other people by yielding your rights. That's when you'll experience God's peace.
2: I just did a Google search for the phrase, stand up for yourself. Google found about 13,400,000 web pages on the subject. Wow! You know, it's all too common to think that standing up for ourselves is the only way to ensure happiness. We will see what the Bible says about that in just a few minutes. Hello, and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is taking us through a series of lessons about the armor of God as described in Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving since 1981. The part of the armor we have been discussing for the past couple of days is the part we are to wear on our feet, the gospel of peace. We have already been hearing how it gives us good footing so that Satan can't push us around or make us slip. Now, let's open our Bibles to see how we can have peace in the midst of all the conflict and catastrophes that we experience in our day-to-day lives. Here is Pastor Steve.
1: And this is precisely what Jesus was referring to in John 14 when he said, Peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. This peace is something that the world doesn't have and the world can't offer. The best they could offer is that something good happens to you and you feel good about it. That's what the world would call peace. But the peace that Jesus was talking about was independent of circumstances. It's not based on circumstances. It secures composure even under the most trying of situations. So how do you experience this kind of peace and and, and how do you get free and liberated from worrying And fearfulness. Well let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. We want to stay here for a while. Philippians chapter 4. The apostle Paul addresses this. This is a marvelous, marvelous book. And the last chapter is especially helpful. I don't think I enjoyed preaching through a book more than Philippians. And what I'm about to go over now I want to just mention to you that you can get more of this. I'm only going to touch on these things in Philippians 4, but we have two messages in our tape room on how to have God's peace based on what I'm going to share with you right now. So if you want it more in detail, then just go to the tape room and they, uh, they either have it or they'll, they'll get it for you. Philippians chapter 4, in verses 4 through 9, Paul gives five ways to respond to the pressures of life. So that you, you, can be, you, you can be free to experience God's precious peace and not worry. That's what it's about. He says in verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is about peace. He says at the end of verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. It's about, it's about experiencing his peace. So how do we do it? Five ways to respond to the pressures of life. I would encourage you to write these down in your notes. First of all, we should respond to the pressures of life by rejoicing. Verse four. And if you put all this into practice, I guarantee you, you will not worry. Verse four. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now the whole book, quite frankly, is centered around the theme of of rejoicing and, and joy. And Paul in verse 4, says it not once but twice. And I think he says it for emphasis because it's such an incredible statement. Rejoice in the Lord always. And it's as if Paul is saying, and in case you're stunned by that, again, I say rejoice. Now, notice what Paul did not say. Many people look at this and they assume he said to rejoice always. He didn't say that. He said to rejoice in the Lord always. World of difference. We, we really don't rejoice in everything we hear. If you go to a doctor and hear that you have a terminal illness, uh, you would be one strange person to start jumping up and down and rejoicing. That's not, that's not what he's saying. Now, you can rejoice on the, uh, in the results that God's going to uh, use, that how he's going to use that illness in your life, but that's not what he's talking about. To rejoice in the Lord means this. The reason that we are to rejoice is not because of circumstances, It's because we are in a secure and wonderful relationship with Christ. In the Lord means that you are one in him and he's in you. It's not because you face serious problems. It's in spite of those problems. And I think the thought is this. In this life, we go through trouble sometimes. All kinds of things can be taken from us and and there's change and fluctuations. We We can lose health, we can lose loved ones, we can lose money. All kinds of changes. But what will never change is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's as if Paul is saying you can take everything from me. And I'm still going to rejoice because you can't take the Lord from me. I am secure. So regardless of what you might lose in this life. You will never lose Christ. You have gained him by God's grace. And so you don't have to worry about changing and fluctuating circumstances. Rejoicing in Christ is what enables us to experience God's peace. You know what? You will not rejoice naturally. This is something you train yourself to do. This is something that I constantly have to remind myself that I need to rejoice. It's an act of your will. And joy is, is far different from happiness. Happiness is based on things happening. That's where we get the word happiness from, happenstance or happening. But joy means that you can lose it all and still rejoice in the Lord. It's independent of circumstances. Those who rejoice do not worry. The two cannot mix. So you need to rejoice. By faith, you do that. not by, If you wait till you feel like it, you're not gonna do it. Remember, Paul wrote this when he was in prison. He says, rejoice, rejoice. So it's an act of your will. And you will rejoice when you, when you think on your eternal relationship with Christ. It is a mind that, that sets its affections on the things above, not on the things of this earth. It is a discipline. So how do you win the battle over worry? You rejoice as a way of life. And if you didn't get it the first time, Paul said, and again, I say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Secondly, we are a response to the pressures of life, not only by rejoicing, but by yielding our personal rights to others. Notice verse five, yield your rights to others. Paul says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. And then he adds, the Lord is near. Uh, this word gentle, it's translated in my Bible, gentle, is a very, very difficult word to translate from the, from the Greek language into the English language. It, it has so many um, nuances of meanings. That's why some might translate it forbearance, uh, gentleness. But the thought, the thought is to yield your rights. In this context, the thought is to yield your rights. Be humble, be meek, that's all involved in this. But yield your, your rights in the sense of not insisting on getting your way. Not being self-willed. Being flexible and, and yielding your rights out of consideration to others. It's precisely what he, what he was talking about in, in the second chapter of Philippians. Where he said, esteeming others more important than you. Now how does, how does this bring peace? Those who insist on getting their own way are always fighting other people. They're always arguing. They're contentious. They're angry people, annoyed at every little thing others do because it just gets in their way because they are the most important people. And they have rights. And how dare those rights be violated? If you live like that, you will never have God's peace ruling in your heart. Why? Because you can't possibly have God's peace in your heart when you're at war with others. So end the war. Stop fighting other people, by yielding your rights. That's when you'll experience God's peace. Paul told the Romans in chapter 12, he said, be at peace with all men if possible. Honestly, with some people, it's not possible. But the point that Paul is making in Romans 12 is make every effort. If there's going to be a war, let the war come from them. You do everything you can to be at peace. From your standpoint, the war is over. If they want to continue firing, that's their business. But be at peace with all men if possible. Now, the thought may be, but Steve, if I do that, if I yield my rights, if I let others get their way, they're going to walk all over me. They're going to exploit me. They're going to take advantage of me. And you know what? They might. They absolutely might. But that's all right. That's really all right. Because the end of verse five says the Lord is near. Now, why did Paul say that? In this context, he means that the Lord is coming. His coming is certainly closer than when we first believed it 's relatively near. Why did paul say that what he 's saying is this in in light of all these conflicts and people exploiting you understand that when jesus comes he 'll take care of every wrong ever done to you he 'll right every every wrong and make it make it good and make it right and and, and also in addition to that. What he means is that these conflicts really don't mean a whole lot. What difference does it make? Will it make in 10 million years about some conflict you're you're having with somebody else? Think, Think in terms of eternity. This life is very, very brief. Very brief. The Lord is coming. So someone takes advantage of you. Big deal. What will it matter to you in millions of years when you're in eternity? So how do we respond to the pressures of life? How do you gain victory over worry? And how do you have stability in your life? By rejoicing, by yielding your rights. The third way that we respond to the pressures of life is by trusting the Lord. I, I love this, verse six. It, it's one of I, I tell you, many a night I've had to just meditate on this in, in bed to just fall asleep to thoughts like this and other verses. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your request be made known to God. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. And it's dealing with the issue of anxiety, which is another word for worry. Because worry has been the acceptable American sin. We, We don't even think twice about it. Yes, I worry. That's right. So my parents did it. I do it. Everybody does it. Well, God says, don't do it because it's a lack of faith in him. It's a lack of trust. It's a command essentially to cast all of our cares, even the the tiny ones that nobody else cares about, but he does cast all of your cares upon him and trust him with your burdens. I love what Dr. Barnhouse said about this, how he paraphrased this. He just captured it in one, one sentence. He said, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. That's exactly what Paul is saying. And may I add to that, that the way to have peace is not simply to pray, it's to trust. Why do I say that? Because there are many Christians who say, look, I pray about my problems and I'm worrying about it. Praying is not the issue. Trusting is. You, you don't pray and give the Lord your burdens and then get up from your prayers and walk away and start thinking about it and take it back. Prayer is not a magic wand here. Prayer is the vehicle by which we, we trust and roll our burdens on the Lord and leave them there. There's a discipline once again of your mind, roll every burden on the Lord, leave it there and believe that he will work everything out for your good and his glory. I love the verse. I was reading it this week in Matthew chapter seven. I think it's verse 12, maybe 11 where, where Jesus said, and I'm going to paraphrase this. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, isn't that true? We want the best for our children. And Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? God is good. He's not out to mess up your life. Those trials are designed for good purposes. Now, you may not see that. I don't see that always in, in my trials. But we walk by faith and not by sight and not even by understanding. If you're going through a trial, then James tells you, to ask the Lord for wisdom as to what he's doing in in your life. But the point of this, when Paul says in verse six, be anxious for nothing, he means just that. There's nothing you should worry about. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, bring all of your prayer requests to the Lord, all of your burdens. And why does he add with thanksgiving? May I suggest to you the thought here is thanksgiving is that I'm confident that the Lord is gonna handle this. Lord, I'm thanking you now. I'm grateful because I know you have the power to do anything and you love me so much you'll do all of these things in your own way. Someone put it this way. They said there's nothing too great for his power to accomplish nor too small for his love to be concerned about. It's a great truth. So trust him. Those who trust don't worry. Worry is a lack of trust. The fourth way to to respond to life's pressures is by number one rejoicing number two by yielding number three by by trusting number four it's by thinking or meditating on the truth verse eight finally brethren whatever is true we jump from verse six because verse seven simply says that you'll experience this peace finally brethren whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is of good repute If there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. It's very interesting. In verse 6, Paul is telling us what not to dwell on, anxious thoughts. But your mind has to dwell on something. Meditation is not sitting in the corner thinking about nothing. You will think about something. Paul says, here's what you're to think about. And he's more than just casual thought. The words at the end where it says dwell on these things, it means meditate. Give serious thought. Now, most of us worry about things that will never happen. That's why I love it that Paul, Paul writes, think on the things that are true. He means true in the sense of real and, and factual problems that need solving, not imagined problems. And if you, if you think about this, most of our worries concern things in the future that might happen, but they usually don't. In fact, someone said, and I have no clue as to how they came up with the statistic, but 92% of the things that we worry about never happened. Why is it 92% not 93? I don't know. But you know how statisticians are. 92% of the things we worry about never happen, And that, that's, absolutely, that's absolutely in the ballpark. That's, that's true. What do we worry about? Things in the future. Health, money, family issues, an accident that we might have. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, worry has an active imagination and it can envision all sorts and kinds of possibilities. Isn't that true? Worry has an active imagination and can go all over the place. If Your child is out late at night, you imagine they're in the worst car accident that could possibly be. Things like that. So what is Paul telling us to do? Train your mind, discipline your mind to think on those things that are true, not imagined. Certainly this would involve, but not be limited to meditating on scripture. But I think the thought here is think on the things that are happening in your life and solve them, those problems. And and this is where what Jesus said ties in in Matthew 6, 34. He said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough problems of its own. The thought there is Take care of the things today because if you worry about tomorrow you'll not have strength you you will be emotionally crippled so that you will not have strength to deal with the things of today God gives us grace to handle today's problems not tomorrow's concerns when tomorrow comes and it becomes the day he'll give you grace for that but those who worry about things seem to lack vigor and strength they're tired Because God hasn't given you grace to think on the things that might be tomorrow. Work on solving the problems of today. The fifth and final way to respond to the pressures of life. And thus experience God's peace. Is number one we said by rejoicing. Number two by yielding. Number three by trusting. Number four by thinking. Which means meditating on the truth. Number five it's by obeying God's truth. It's not enough to think on the truth. You have to obey it. And this is found in verse nine. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul told the Philippians to put into practice the truths that he had taught them and that he had demonstrated before them when he was with them. So how does obedience work? How does it bring peace to your heart? It's very simple. Sin always, always causes restlessness and anxiety. Sin always does. No one can have God's experiential peace rule their heart without a clear conscience. Obey what you know from Scripture, and you'll have peace. Obedience. So, if you want to be a steadfast, stable believer, you want to be that, that person who has firm footing in your spiritual walk, even in the midst of all kinds of satanic attacks then you need to walk in the shoes of peace. That's, that's Paul's message. And the only way to experience God's peace is by rejoicing in the Lord, yielding your rights to others, trusting in him, thinking about what is true and obeying God's word. And it all goes back to understanding that we are at peace with God. The war is over. God is not fighting you. He's not against you. You respond to the pressures of life this way, and the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding. No one ever fully comprehends it. But you'll experience it. Now if you have never yet trusted Christ. As your savior and Lord. Then you know what? One day Jesus made an invitation. To those who were troubled. For those who, who realized they needed peace. He said this. I, I offer you the same, the same invitation in Christ's own words. He said come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you shall find rest for your souls for my burden is easy and my load is light. If you've never come to Christ, you have all kinds of burdens and rightfully so sin issue burdens. You need to come to him And you will find rest for your souls. But if you're a believer in Christ and you have not been resting in the Lord, then you need to go back to the gospel of God's peace and experience that precious peace that passes all understanding by what we just discussed from Philippians four. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for telling us what to wear to battle. Thank you, Lord, that you have provided for every situation that Satan could throw at us. Even our feet, Lord, covered with peace. Lord, help those especially who worry, who are up and down and, and vacillate and waver a lot. Help them, Lord, to put these truths into practice. And for all of us, Lord, help us to, to build our lives on sound doctrine not on what we feel not on what we experience but on the authoritative word of god for jesus said man shall not shall not live by anything except by what comes out of the words or comes out of the mouth of god we don't we don't live just by food we don't live by what we think or how we see things, but we live based on scripture. May we do that, Lord. So I pray that you'll apply these great truths to each of our lives, that we might walk in a manner that pleases you and that we might be steadfast and sturdy. And when Satan tries to push us around, Lord, we stand firm. And I ask, Father, that you would draw to yourself those who who need rest in their souls. Never come to Christ. I pray that you'll, you'll draw them unto yourself. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen, and thank
2: you, Pastor Steve, for those five very practical steps to successfully handling the pressures of life. We need to wear the gospel of peace on our feet and stand firmly in the faith when Satan tries to push us around. And if you've never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, I urge you to do that right now. Only then can you have peace with God. And once we have peace with God, He makes available to us His peace, which is beyond understanding. It is a delight to have you with us today for Verse by Verse, a daily radio Bible class led by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We at Verse by Verse Ministries are glad to be able to make His messages available to you over this radio station. We are a faith ministry enabled by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who are first faithful to their own local churches. If you would like to hear today's lesson again or go back and catch up on previous lessons, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the file for later. That's versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the conclusion of a three-part message. If you would like to hear it all at once, give us a call and order either a cassette or a CD. The number to call is 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Possibly the best known of the parts of the armor of God is the shield of faith. Join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve continues our study on spiritual warfare.